I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 503 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have an awesome guest for you guys today. Charles Payne is the host of Making Money with Charles Payne on the Fox Business Network. He is also a contributor to the Fox News Channel and frequently makes appearances on Your World with Neil Cavuto, as well as Fox and Friends. He began his career on that famous street, Wall Street, but before that, his story was a life of two very different childhoods, which Charles is going to tell us all about. Now, it has been a wild year in the world of money and finances. We saw that stock market plummet and then regain. We saw cryptocurrency skyrocket and come back down to earth. AMC and GameStop were riding that Reddit wave. I'm going to ask Charles all about it, what it means and where it's headed, as well as some family financial advice for you and your family. I'm excited to have him with me here today. Charles Payne will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Charles Payne was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch today's conversation, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, if you guys enjoyed today's interview with Charles Payne, you've got to go check out some of the interviews I've done with other financial wizards, including Stuart Varney of Fox Business, Lou Dobbs, Andrew Sorkin of the Squawk Box, Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street, and so many other financial dads. Get through the archives there. Check out all the episodes that are available for you to listen to at your convenience. Tomorrow on the podcast, NBA star Michael Carter-Williams will be stopping by. Friday, I'm going to have a famous Hollywood actor. Follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace to find out who that is, as well as all the other upcoming guest announcements. If you're enjoying the podcast, hit me with that rating or review. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about the podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show to see us celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with Charles Payne. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, my pillow has got so much more to offer than just the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. But don't just take my word for it. Here's my wife to tell you her favorite product from my pillow. Honey, what is it? Well, I love all the my pillow products, from the robe to the towels. But my absolute favorite, hands down product, is the my pillow mattress topper on our king size bed. I have the best sleep since owning that topper. It's like sleeping at a spa resort, and I can't wait to sleep on it tonight. And I look forward to seeing you there tonight. And let me tell you something right now, guys. Happy wife, happy life. And this mattress topper has been a game changer for me. That's a guarantee. And speaking of guarantees, all my pillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. So what are you waiting for? First Class Fatherhood listeners can now save up to 66% off. That's right, up to 66% off your order using my promo code FATHERHOOD. Visit MyPillow.com and use the promo code FATHERHOOD to save up to 66% off or use the 800 number. That's 1-800-875-0219, 1-800-875-0219, and your savings will be applied instantly. Visit MyPillow.com, use the promo code FATHERHOOD, and save up to 66% off your order at MyPillow. Uh, joining me now, First Class Father, Charles Payne. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. It's great to be here. All right, let's kick it off like this here. How many kids do you have? How old are they? I've got three kids. I have uh, two kids and a stepson. Stepson, I think, is 39 my daughter's 35, and my youngest is 24. Wow, yeah, you've been at this for a little bit. How many grandkids you got? <laughs> Five grandkids. Wow, 
Wow, that's awesome stuff. If you could yeah. hear Charles, please just take a minute to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Yeah, uh, well, my background goes all the way back to I grew up as an army brat, first part of my life, first half of my childhood. We lived all over the world. Uh, we, in fact, it felt like we moved every year. And uh, we lived in Fort Lee, Virginia, in a two-story house, really beautiful setting in the early mid seventies. Uh, and then uh, my parents divorced. So we went from this uh, amazing life. And my mom, my, my two younger brothers, all of us got on a bus from Fort Lee, Virginia. We went to Harlem. And at the time, it was the poorest and most dangerous neighborhood in America. So it was like two childhoods, two completely childhood, two completely different childhoods. Uh, and because I was the oldest, I was sort of thrust in this position of responsibility. Uh, before, you know, growing up, I never thought about things like money. Uh, I took a lot of things for granted like heat and hot water. <laughs> Our first full winter in New York, we had neither one. Uh, you know, I'd never seen the kind of violence I saw. I never saw junkies and shootings and murders. But I also never saw that kind of energy either, you know, the sort of energy that New York had, particularly Harlem. So it was this amazing world, but we were we were dirt poor. Uh, so I had to hustle. And initially, I would just get paper towels and clean windshields at stoplights and things like that. And then I had a job in a bodega and I did a whole bunch of things. I worked in a butcher shop, whatever. I've been hustling since I'm 12 years old, but I knew I had to make money. So for the first time in my life, I thought about it. I equated it with the stock market like everyone does at some point. And I taught myself how to read the Wall Street Journal, which was really, really hard back in those days. I mean, it was really intimidating. The, the, it, was, it was just papers and pages and pages and pages and lines and columns. And it was tough, but I finally figured it out. Well, my first mutual fund at 17, my mom had to co-sign my first stock at 18 after I joined the Air Force. And when I got out the Air Force, um, I went down to Wall Street to look for a job and got one at EF Hutton. Yeah, well, what an incredible journey that you've had here, Charles. Amazing story. And so now going from all this along this journey that you've had, about how old were you then when you first became a father? And then how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? I was 22 uh, when I became a father and it changed everything. It just it put all the focus on my on my daughter. Right. And and just making sure I could provide her with this amazing life. And it, it was, it, it, you know, I mean, I, you know, I partied with my friends. Uh, I, I went to school. I went to the Air Force to go to school. I went to school. None of my buddies did. Uh, it was nothing for me to take a few classes and come back and catch up with them. Right. Just knock out a few brews and I'm, I'm there with you. Uh, so I was always confused why they didn't do it, but it gave me an even more sharpened focus uh, because of her. And I got to tell you, I took a big chance. Uh, I was working at EF Hutton. I was making 13000 a year. And when I got the phone call that I had the job, it was one of the greatest days of my life. Um, for me, it was a lot of money. Uh, and But I gave it all up for a job as a broker making just 100% commission. I finally got my first decent check. My daughter had been in the same Pampers for over 24 hours, and we had one can of food in the house. Uh, but, but every time I wanted to quit, every time I would call up a prospect out of those yellow pages, I'd say, hi, this is Charles Payne from Cook-Cook-Ann. Hi, this is Charles Payne from Cook-Cook-Ann. <laughs> I mean, people just <laughs> slamming the phone on me 24. I mean, it was so scary. I didn't think I was going to make it. And then one day, I think this guy was a lawyer in New York City. I called him up. I read my pitch. And he said, you read very well, but what do you want? And I thought about it. That was a blessing. I threw away the pitch, and from there on out, when I called people, I just had a conversation with them. 
Yeah, incredible stuff. And your story reminds me so much of the the, the typical uh, American dream story. And whenever I talk to you know uh, people about that American dream, a lot of times they'll they'll snarl at that and they think that the American dream is a joke and it doesn't exist. I mean, it, it, it is possible, I think, and you're an example of that through hard work, dedication, setting goals. Uh, I, I, I still believe that the American dream is alive and well, especially today. It seems like there's more opportunity than ever. I agree one million percent, one million percent. You can start a business online. Uh, you know, you can get everything. You can get a lawyer. You can get everything. Uh, it's so cheap. It's so easy. You can be in business in, in a nanosecond, uh, but hang up your shingles, uh, you know, put out your talent, promote it. We know what Instagram is doing for young Americans. We know what uh, YouTube is doing. We know what these podcasts are doing. And, and just even it's just so amazing to me. And, and I'm really glad, though, because one of the things that was interesting about last year with our, our economy, uh, even though they forced a lot of businesses out, particularly brick and mortar businesses and restaurants, we saw a record number of new business applications last year that that is coming to this year. And a lot of those are young, young Americans. So. I know that uh, so many people preach this notion that the American dream doesn't exist. Some claim it never existed. Uh, and, and, and it's interesting because often it comes from people who are themselves very successful, very wealthy. I find that to be despicable. They sort of get to the top and pull the ladder from everyone, at least the hopes. And I just hope everyone can look around that and see uh, it's alive and well big time. Yeah, very well said, Charles. And I want to get into a little bit of the financial stuff here and start uh, with college. I bring on a lot of entrepreneurs here, guys that have really just smashed it out there. And I always ask them, like, is college necessary to succeed in today's world, in today's economy? Uh, so what kind of uh, opinion do you have on for the, for the young kids, the teenagers that are just graduating high school? Do you think college is necessary to succeed in today's world? And what's the best piece of financial advice you could give to a kid right coming out of college, uh, out of high school? College is not necessary. Uh, to succeed. Um, it helps. I, here's the thing. Having a college degree doesn't guarantee success. Not having it can be used against you by some people. But that's it. That's if you're trying to go through, you know, the sort of establishment. We're in a different wild, wild west kind of period right now. If you've got skills, if you've got heart, if you've got ability, if you've got passion, you can go out there and you can drive. You can make it in there. I went to college, but I never got a degree. A bit, I was I was I was going to school. I went I went to school in North Dakota. I went to school in Texas. I went to school in Guam. Everywhere I was stationed in the Air Force, I took the most classes I could take. When I got out of the Air Force, I was going to school in Baruch, and then I became a broker. And I had to make a decision, uh, so I, I went full force as a broker, uh, and uh, you know I started making some really good money. So you just got to have. I think the most important thing that you got to have though is passion, perseverance, and and, and an attitude that. That, that really put the blinders on. But you got to know what you want. The problem is a lot of young folks don't know what they want. Uh, I blame the education system. I got to tell you, me and my wife, we have a, a nonprofit organization and we donate ties. We donate shirts, skirts to to, and to, to people who are graduating, young, young people who are graduating from high school. And and and, and we were usually there we sh and we talked to them also. And we've been now to dozens of high schools in the tri-state area. What always blows me away is that these kids are one day or two days away from graduating and that like 95 percent don't know what they're going to do the next day. I can't tell you how heartbreaking that is. Like something is wrong. So, you know, they should be looking toward something. I was lucky in the sense that we were going through hell. I knew I had to step up. Uh, I never thought about money, but I knew I had to get in the market. When I was 14 years old, I told my mother, I'm going to work on Wall Street. So not everyone has that sort of epiphany at that age, 
But if you can have a passion, no matter what that passion is, it could be anything. You might think you can't even monetize it, but I bet you you could. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And one of the things I've driven a lot of Uber, Charles, and a lot of times on Friday, Saturday nights, I talk to these kids that are going to college and they're they're ma- majoring in like liberal arts, marine biology. And I'm asking them like, you know, or the philosophy. I'm like, what do you plan on doing with this? So they don't really know. They don't have any plan. It's just they're doing it just because I think that that's what they're supposed to do. And then one of the other things is when I tell them I have four kids, they look at me like I got four heads, you know, and they think <laughs> uh, they think of starting a family and having kids is something that could like be a detriment to their life. And it's very uh upsetting and now you mentioned there too having your first child uh staying in the pampers one can of food the whole bit a lot of people are afraid that you know starting a family finances is always one of the big major problems so what kind of advice financial advice do you have for the young couple the young family that's just out there starting out today i I just gotta say for me the irony was is i don't think i would have made it if i didn't have kids Uh, you know if i didn't have my daughter i would have quit i would have quit there was just too many it was just too much rejection uh, you know, just cold calling and cold calling. And, uh, you know, I, I would have quit. I would have I kept my regular job, hung out with my buddies, had some beers, gone to an occasional game, whatever I could afford. And I would have taken that pedestrian route in life. So for me, kids were my motivation. Uh, so and that's something I think everyone needs to keep in mind. Uh, you know, listen, there's a thing called sacrifice. Right. My mom made some enormous sacrifices for me. Her parents, uh, they made enormous sacrifices for her. She grew up in Alabama. Uh, her parents owned a farm, which was really remarkable for a black family in, in those days to even own a, ha- own, own a farm. They never had indoor plumbing, at least not in, until the, the late 70s, 79, 80, maybe. Uh, and, you know, it's, it was just pure hard work. Yeah, and, and I used to look at my grandfather and I was kind of ashamed over the years that I looked. I, I didn't want to say I looked down on him, but I used to feel like, you know, wow, we're in this place and I got to go outside and pump the pump and come back in with a bucket of water to take a shower. I got to use the outhouse. They don't have electricity. And, you know, so I was a little bit spoiled growing up on army basis. And I would look at him in one pair of shoes that were turned up at the toe. And now it's almost like I'm so ashamed that I didn't see how great of a man he was, you know? So have kids, have kids. They'll, they'll, they'll get you to where you want to go because the, the, the love that you have for them is the extra incentive that nothing that no nothing else can ever match. Yeah, really great stuff, Charles. And then one thing I talk about, I'm uh, flipping the coin here. One of the things I discuss all the time on this podcast is the fatherless crisis that we have going on because we got so many kids growing up without a father or a father figure in their life. And it's really having a devastating result on our society. And one of the main things that a lot of guys will point to is a divorce. And they'll say that the relationship was so bad with, with the mother of their children that they've been either pushed out or they just want nothing more to do with it. I know you, you come from a divorced family yourself here. What, what kind of advice maybe do you have here for the, for the dad that's listening that's just on the onset of a divorce and he's about to go through all this stuff? What, what kind of advice do you have him from a financial perspective? Yeah, I'm a divorced dad myself. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough. And it's, it probably will be ugly and it probably will be very expensive. And there's a good chance that initially, initially the kids will be used as a pawn. Maybe initially you won't be able to see them. Uh, maybe you'll, they'll be told bad things about you. But if you stay true to yourself and stay true to your kids, all of that turns around. At some point, your spouse is going to say, golly, you know what? Uh, maybe you should take these kids every now and then so I can go hang out <laughs> myself. I need a break. You know, at some point, you, you know, when you do get them and you read them a couple of stories and you take them down to shoot a few, ho- a few hoops 
or take them to work with you and let them see what you do, uh, it changes. But here's the thing. It takes a long time. So you got to be very careful because I've seen divorces derail people. I've, uh, I had a, a guy came up in the business with and he went through a bit of divorce. He was a great, good stockbroker. He was doing very well, derailed him so bad. He ended up becoming like a degenerate gambler. And, you know, he's lucky, though. His son still loves him, uh, um, uh, even though he wasn't there for him. And that's something I think fathers need to remember. These kids are going to love you in the long run. And they're going to love you even more knowing that you try. So don't ever give up on them. And But it will be tough initially. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, Charles. And then how about as far as um, you as a dad here, what, what type of disciplinarian uh, are you as a dad? And is that different than the discipline style that you grew up with? Well, I grew up with a pretty uh, tough uh, disciplinarian and my mom, uh, it, she got really tougher when we came to New York. And, you know, she explained it that that she had to be tough, that, you know, a, a single mom in Harlem in the 70s and and trying to raise kids, uh, it, she had to be real tough. And honestly, it, when I graduated from high school in my block, there had to be at least 25 other kids who were supposed to graduate, only one did. That's how awful it is. The, the pull of the streets is so tough. So she was tough and I was tough on my daughter. I was too tough on my daughter, my oldest. And I regret that to this day. And my son, who is much younger than her, uh, like 11 years younger than her, I, I'm not as tough on. And I kind of wish I was a little bit harder on him and certainly a lot softer on her. So I've got some personal regrets about that. Um, and it's it, there, there's no here's the tough part. There's so much influence that your kids are going to have from school, from peers. And now with social media, forget about it. And then growing up like I did in the ghetto, the streets are so powerful. The pool is so enormous uh, that you could take the best kid in the world. And by the time they turn 13, 14, especially the guys, the, the lore of the streets going to be tough. And by this point, you know, you know, mom can't be, you know, give him a spanking or whoop him anymore because he's too big. It becomes difficult. So, uh, you know, you got to be careful with the discipline, I think. I think if, you, if it comes from your heart, fine. But I was way too tough on my daughter. And it's something I'll regret till the rest of my life. Wow. And, and what would you say then, Charles? What would you say were the top values that you were trying to instill in your kids as they were growing up? Perseverance. Uh, gratitude probably is the number one thing. You know, I just I, I kind of remember every break I've ever gotten and people who, who gave me those breaks from, uh, you know, from a guy who one time gave me a leather jacket. So I, I told him this is when I was a teenager and he, he worked at a local store. I mean, any little break I remember, because those small breaks make the biggest difference in your life. So you, know, you never know just the tiniest thing. So gratitude, perseverance. Uh, and and to, to really excel, not at everything per se, but to excel and live up to your potential. Uh, you know, I think one of the toughest things, the saddest things, is when people don't live up to their potential. Uh, and, and, you know, often you're not sure what that is. It may take you a time, a moment to find out what that is. But when you do, you know, live up to it because it gives you something to live for. And I think everyone feels fantastic when they're considered an expert or good at something, right? You know, just... It really doesn't matter what it is. If you're the best at calligraphy, right? <laughs> There's going to be a group of people who's going to say, whoa, that's, you know, you may walk and walk into some chat room one day like, whoa, that's the king of calligraphy right there, you know? So, uh, so and to, to try your best, you don't have to be the absolute best, but try your best. And that's the one thing that I think that, that uh, parents, particularly fathers, should focus on, not being the best, but trying your best. I think the onus should be on effort. So, 
like with my granddaughter, I spend a lot of time with my oldest granddaughter. I always compliment her effort. She made student of the of the month twice this year. She's got a speech impediment. Uh, you know, she she she's beautiful, but you know, she, she's got some things that she's dealing with. Then, uh, you know, and so every time I grad, I, I congratulated her on that, obviously. But anytime we're together, anytime we talk, whatever, I congratulate her on effort. I think that's where you get them. Like that's a great. Keep trying. Keep trying in a positive reinforcement way, and that works char- like a charm. Yeah, very cool stuff, Charles. And I just want to get a quick hitter here on the, on the actual financial market going on right now. It's been a crazy year with this GameStop, AMC, uh, the whole thing with the cryptocurrency. What, what's kind of your take on this stuff? What do you think about crypto? What do you think about this GameStop, AMC stuff, and where's this market headed? I didn't buy crypto, but I almost bought Bitcoin at 17000 It hit 21000 It pulled back. That was my entry point. I, I went on Coinbase, uh, uh, Coindesk, to try to get it, and I had trouble with the account. Turns out my son already had an account with the same name, so I didn't get my entry point. Uh, I, I like the, the idea of crypto. I like Bitcoin. I like uh, Ethereum. <laughs> I haven't bought yet, but I will probably put some money in. No more than 5% of my total assets, but but before I always had 5% of my total assets in gold, particularly physical gold. So I'm going to start buying uh, uh, some crypto there. I love the Reddit investor revolution. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love that these shorts are getting it taken to them. You know, these these establishment folks have had their way with the market forever. And I've seen stock after stock after stock obliterated, just crushed. Because these shorts can short it and they can borrow more stock and short it and borrow more stock. They have their way with these stocks. And what the thing is, I want people to remember, it's not the stock. There are people behind these companies, right? I think AMC's got like 10, 15,000 employees. And, and, you know, to think that some Wall Street Titan, a couple of them could put them out of business. GameStop has 10,000 employees. These are human beings. These are people. So... I'm rooting for them big time. I also hope that they stay with the stock market, broaden out their portfolios uh, and, and, you know, and, and, and start to take other uh, other sort of uh, add other things to, to what they own. Here's the thing. When they say, well, you know, there's uh, you hear a lot of these financial media people and market folks talk about the market as if they know exactly what's guaranteed. There's still people who bought Ford in 2000 who haven't broken even who bought IBM. 15 years ago, still not broken even. Intel. I mean, I can name you a whole list. GE was the number one stock in America in 2000. Everybody was told to buy it and own it at 56. It went to six. So there's no foolproof way of saying, oh, own these particular blue chips, they'll work. Yeah, these things are high risk. But you know what? Tesla was high risk a couple of years ago. When it went from 77 to 30 pre-split and Wall Street was short the heck out of it and said it was going to go out of business. Uh, Amazon. Amazon didn't make money for years. Wall Street said, don't buy the stock. There's a a list. I can go on forever of companies that came out of nowhere that Wall Street said would never make it that became huge winners. I'm I'm having a lot of fun this year because a lot of those Reddit stocks are now Wall Street saying buy them like Bed Bath & Beyond. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, I, listen, it, it's been quite an interesting year to watch these Reddit guys doing it, and it's been it's been fun, I, and I continue to, you know, I'm hoping to watch it continue to explode here. What, what do you got next for yourself here, Charles? What kind of goals or plans? Any kind of books in the making for you? Any kind of celebrity boxing match with you with Portnoy? What do we got coming up here? <laughs> you know, it's so funny. You're not the first person who brought that up. <laughs> oh, man. We get you on the next Logan Paul undercard. Hey, my, hey! If the money is right, put me in. Um, 
in the meantime, I, I you know I had a I wrote a very successful book called Unstoppable Pro- Unstoppable Prosperity. Hundreds of thousands of books ordered. Uh, my educational business went through the roof the last couple of years. So I'm working on another book there. I'm working on a book about my childhood. I like to beef up my charity organization that I'm I'm working with. I'm working with the Boys and Girls Club of Harlem. I'm trying to create a STEM program that that we can use there, but also export everywhere. Uh, I'm working with a company out of London. I'm just juggling a lot, uh, and I'm just trying to do good stuff for for a lot of people. I have been so blessed. I have been so, so blessed, and I try my best to pass that on to others. Yeah, and props to you for doing so. Love the charitable work that you do. And the last thing I want to hit you with here, Charles, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Man, uh, enjoy every second. Every second. Don't take it for granted. It won't come back. It is the most amazing blessing possible. You know you've got four kids. Enjoy every second. Yeah, well said. Love the message. This has been a lot of fun for me. I got to say, Charles Payne, you're a first-class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. My pleasure and my honor. Thank you. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Charles Payne for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Make sure you bring it back here for tomorrow, Wednesday. I got a brand new episode coming at you. NBA star Michael Carter-Williams will be here with me Friday. Famous actor joining me on the pod. Check me out on Instagram to find out who, as well as all the other upcoming guests. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.